Well, I'm going to just introduce uh, Randy and let you lead us into his plan. <laughs> Love you, brother. Thank y'all for moving that thing. I appreciate that. Hallelujah. You, t you two shouldn't be together. I've just got one thing. I'm so thankful he didn't ask me to take a lap. Come on, some of y'all said the same thing. Don't lie to me. <laughs> you know, if you turn on the mainstream media nowadays, oh my goodness, you're going to hear no telling what because we're hearing it. Amen? I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. My point is, if you start listening to that stuff, you're going to start fearing, fear, 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 because that's all they're selling is fear. Amen? And God did not give us a spirit of fear. That's right. No way. As a matter of fact, I think I remember many, many words in the, in the, in the Bible that has to do with fear. But most of the time it says, fear not. Let's say that again. Fear not. Amen. Is that everybody in the room tonight? Hallelujah. Because we ain't going to fear because we have a risen Savior that's going to take care of us. Amen. That's what I, just listen, I bank on that. I'm not going to have fear. I'm not fearing anything. Not going to. Amen. So I, I, I just, I'm, I'm real, I had something else to say, but it just, the Holy Spirit just jumped all over me about this fear thing, man. So we want to instill in you as much as we can to rebuke fear. How are you going to do it? There's a all there's an OFF button on that TV. <laughs> all you got to do is push it. There, the fear's gone. Could it be that easy? Yeah, sure could. Sure could. Amen. All right, boy, y'all are for quiet tonight. Y'all, that 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 Pastor James in ten seconds was tough on you, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm going to tell you, you ain't ever going to see an offering took up like that again. Amen. I loved it. It was great. All right, let's see what Joanna has for us tonight. And there's not much telling because, like I say before, uh, I help her study a lot, and, and, and I say, oh, I know what she's going to preach tonight. Ain't wrong. Because the Holy Spirit sometimes will change it as she's walking from there to here. Amen. So you never know. So let's welcome Joanna Herndon. I like that. Ten. I was like, man, we just could do that another ten and another ten. And of course, some of them were getting wiped out in the Holy Ghost. Woo! I'm telling you, it was awesome. Yes. And thank you for doing it. You didn't have to, but you did. And I believe you're going to find some victory over some things from obeying and doing it. Wouldn't hurt once in a while. Maybe every night we might have to do the ten seconds. Ha! Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> Hallelujah. Of course, Lord let his lips get healed or whatever he needs so he can blow that horn. Shofar. Amen. 
Well, we do have impartation materials. Many of you know that have known me for a long time. It's probably like, okay, we've heard these stories about your books and CDs and DVDs. But there are some new people and there are some new faces. And so I would like for them to know that we do have impartation materials. Helps keep us on the road. We're full-time evangelists. This is not what we do part-time. This is our job. He is our boss and our retirement plans out of this world. And so we're excited to do the work. I love my job. I really do. And I love what he does for people. And I ask him all the time, Lord, speak to their hearts, heal sick bodies, save souls. We need a move of God. And he doesn't stop moving. Sometimes we do. But he doesn't. That's why sometimes churches have that song. You got to move. You got to move. You got to move. You got to move. And when the Lord gets ready, you got to move. You got to move. Sometimes y'all just got to move. You know, you're so busy saying, oh, God, move. He said, I've been moving. Y'all's the one who needs to be moving. So that 10 seconds was awesome just a while ago. You got you moving, got you circulating. And, and that word of knowledge about somebody's heart. That was to grab it. Sometimes I tell people, if you need something in that, you didn't maybe think it was you. Just like she said, well, I'm not sure if it's me or not. No, grab it. Say, I want that too. When I hear about somebody getting blessed on finances or, or blessed on this or this going to happen, I'm like, I want that too. I can have that. Amen. Amen. So we need to receive things. But anyway, my father is Jack Ho. For those of you who don't know, my name is Joanna Herndon. And I was raised in church. I was raised in revival. That's why I like revival. That's why I like to get my mouth set all the time for it. In fact, it stays hungry for revival. I, and I don't know what I'm going to do when revival breaks because then I'll be able to say, well, I don't have to get my mouth set for it. Now it's happening. Amen. But usually more wants more, and deep cries out to deep. So I think I'd still be going, okay, more, Lord, more. We'd just, what would I say last night? We'd just sit down and bounce up and down and make more room for more, right? <laughs> for those who was here last night. Anyway, my father, Jack Coe, had the largest tent in the world, held 22,000 people with another 10 to 20,000 standing outside. Blind eyes open, the lame walk, the deaf hear. Many miraculous miracles. They said in Springfield, Missouri, 283 ambulances showed up in one night. And only one went home because 282 was miraculously healed in one night. In St. Louis, Missouri, there was 150 ambulances showed up. Only 20 went home because 130 was miraculously healed. I can tell you story after story, city after city of many miracles like that. When he said tomorrow night, bring everybody in wheelchairs. And when he called it out, that next night, everyone in wheelchairs got up and walked. When he said, come in crutches, bring them in stretchers, whatever he... And sometimes he had said, like when he was in Washington, D.C., there were so many getting saved. I think they said on an average, sometimes 2,000 a night getting saved. And so he said, I need the preachers on the platform that's helping me. And they got about 150 of those horse troughs, and they baptized. He said, tomorrow night's going to be baptismal night, and we're going to baptize all those who's got saved. And he would do that also. And so it was miraculous, the things that happened. And, some, and he didn't go in for a week. He didn't go in for a four-day revival. He went in, and it was six weeks to two months, sometimes three months. 
And the people were so hungry, they didn't want him to stop, but he had other places to go that he had advertised for to go do the same thing. He believed he wanted church every night. Because when he got saved, he said, I needed it every night. And when people get saved, they need strength. They need to be in the house of the Lord because the devil's so vicious. And if they think he was back then, man. And I don't know how some people today think they can do it on one meal a week. They're like, I, I mean, young people, you're not going to make it on that one meal a week. You're not. And, and as vicious as it is today. And some others, you're not going to make it on that one meal a week. I'm not trying to say gloom and doom. I'm trying to say, you need more. The weapons of our warfare are mighty to pulling down the strongholds. But in order to do that, we have to be in the word. We have to be in his presence. We have to be in the house of the Lord. And, and things anyway, that's a sermon in itself. But my dad wrote his own life story book. I'll get back to product. And if you want to know more about who this Jack Coe, he said, I've never heard of him. Uh, he, if you want to know more about him, it, it tells all about his own life story. He wrote it himself while he was alive. It talked about how that he was an alcoholic. And when he got saved, all he could say was, hot dog, I got it. <laughs> hot dog, I got it. Some of us need to hot dog, get it, and keep it. Amen. And then he went from that into the army. They thought he was crazy for serving God, so they locked him up in nine different nut wards. But every time they'd let him out and say, well, you're really not crazy. It's just that you're just a Jesus freak or you're just a religious person. You just need to go out and party and get drunk and get crazy with the guys and you'll be okay. And my dad would always get up and head toward the door saying, well, I can't do that. And they said, why? I said, because I talked to another doctor and he told me not to do that. And they, what doctor? Who's other doctor? Because they know they're the ones on staff. And he said, Dr. Jesus. And then he says, I take off before they can catch me again. Because <laughs> they already thought he was nuts for so crazy about Jesus. And so this tells all these things, how I went to that, to the largest tent in the world and all about his life. He also has a CD back there called A Brand New Name. So if you like to listen to CDs and hear testimonies, that's his testimony. It's called A Brand New Name. Also, my favorite of his sermons I love is God Will Set Your Fields on Fire. Now, I know with my Texas accent, I get misunderstood. And this happened to me in Missouri. Uh, there was after church, uh, we had prayed for people. My husband went back to the table to just check on things with some people. And this guy started telling him about whiskey steals. And my husband thought, and he's telling him jokes about whiskey steals. And finally he said, okay. And he said, and you know, there's a whiskey steal just down the road here. If you wanted to go see it, it's an old whiskey steal. You'd like it. And, and he said, and you might even can buy it. My husband said, well, no, I don't want to buy it. Why would I want to? He said, what's your point in all of this? Why are you telling me all these jokes? And then he said, well, it's your wife. He said, what do you mean my wife? He said, she started it. She said, God will set your steels on fire. <laughs> so if you do have some steels, he probably will set them on fire. Amen. <laughs> if not, they need to be. Fields on fire. God will set your fields on fire. Amen. And awesome, awesome sermon. Those who've listened to it have told me. Uh, oh, that was, wow, tough. That was good. That was, so people who saved and know God, this really touches their heart and life too. But people who don't know God, it really gets a hold of them. Amen. 
And then Divine Healing on Trial, that's a DVD. You want to see the old tent meetings, the old hairdos. You want to see the people in the miracle lines with uh, cancer pulled off the face, with uh, deaf ears being open, and, and people coming off of hospital beds, off of crutches. He would just break the crutches. He'd say, you don't need these no more. And he'd break them and just throw them. So they had to start believing because they wasn't going to get their crutches back. Amen. He just had a bold faith. He, and people hand him the glasses that eyesight, and he would throw them on the ground, stomp all over them, and he was 320-something pounds or more. And so when he stomped on them, they were gone. Amen. And so you, they had to say, yeah, I believe. He said, you believe God's going to be out? Yeah, yeah, I do. Amen. And so you want to see some of those things and also good old preaching, the old-fashioned in the old tent days. That's on divine healing on trial. We have cards with DVDs that is awesome to give for yourself or to give to others. Those are just nice cards. I say, why shop at Walmart? Your seat's not going to grow at Walmart, right? Shop with us, your seed will grow, and you go to Walmart more. Amen. And then, of course, the book he wrote, Curing the Incurable. Very good book. We've had people that have been sick and with incurable diseases that family members has either read this book to them and they got up and were healed or some who was told they had this disease, lupus, uh, cancer, different things, and God healed them. We get reports of miracles still happening today, not because of Jack Coe, but that anointing and the Holy Ghost of things he did is still alive today. Amen. And so that's powerful. And then A.A. Allen wrote a book called The Price of God's Miracle Power. Very good book if you ever heard of it. You say, I've not heard of A.A. Allen or Jack Coe or William Branham. Well, it's in the category also of Oral Roberts, Catherine Kuhlman. Oh, oh, okay, now I've heard. Well, they, that was the revival days of all of those great people. We do take credit card. Uh, our debit card, fill it out. Be sure and put your phone number, your information, and your amount of money you spent because you don't want me to put mine. Amen? Amen. And we do take cash or checks. So shop till you drop. It does help us. We appreciate it. And it's good impartation materials. I wouldn't have them there if I didn't think it would bless you and help you and help others. Amen? Hallelujah. Come on, honey. There it is. <laughs> Got it? Are you glad to be here? Yes. Are you ready for a revival? Yes. Have you got your mouth set? Yes. You been tasting it today? I loved it. Uh, a pastor's wife told me that. She said, you know, that was a good message. I really, well, I had several said, but she said, I was asking my husband, we got spaghetti. You want spaghetti? Nope. Well, no, there's more spaghetti. I want peanut butter. So I guess that peanut butter and jelly sandwich last night kind of sold some and said, when we want something. And so she said, I didn't keep pushing the spaghetti. I said, go ahead and have your peanut butter. Amen. So sometimes when we get our mouth set for something, we can have what we want. So if we got our mouth set for revival, we got our mouth set for salvation, we got our mouth set for deliverance, for healing, we start getting our mouth set for things that we want to see God do in the supernatural and in the spiritual, we can see it begin to happen. Amen? Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, help. I want to do what you want. I want to say what you want. I want hearts and lives to be changed. We thank you for the opportunity to be at Faith Harvest. We thank you for these churches that come together. We thank you for these pastors 
And God, we just thank you for that they're still here. They're very faithful and the strength within them. And we just pray such an anointing that, that they're going to be so fired up that the fire that they leave from here will excel into their churches and into their people because not everybody in each of them's church is here. But they can sure tell when something's different. And they'd be saying, ooh, whatever it is going on, I want some of that. <laughs> so we thank you, Lord. We're going to eat everything on the table that you've prepared. We're not going to leave anything behind because we know what you've prepared we need now. And we're going to eat it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Save for the 90 and 9 in the fold. Save for the night. Was dreary and cold. But said the shepherd. When counting them all. One sheep is missing. There should be one more. So the shepherd went out. To search for his sheep. And all through the night. On the rocky steep. He sought till he found him. With love arms surround him. And I was that one. Sheep. There in the night he heard a faint cry from the lost sheep all ready to die. Then in his arms to shield from the cold he brought the lost sheep back to the fold. So the shepherd went out to search for his sheep. And all through the night on the rocky steep, he sought till he found him with love arms around him. And I was that one lost sheep. I would you hear that second verse again. There in the night he heard a faint cry from the lost sheep. All ready to die. Then in his arms to shield from the cold. He brought the lost sheep back to the fold. So the shepherd went out to search for his sheep. And all through the night on the rocky steep, he sought till he found them with love arms surround him. And I, uh, say it, and I, oh, tell him again. And 
was that one. Lord, she, oh, I want to say it again. And I was that one. Lord, she. If I was to title my message tonight, I would title it Search and Rescue. I looked at this when I came in last night and saw that lifeline across that uh, cross. And it took me back to the old song that we used to sing when I was in churches. Throw out the lifeline. Throw out the lifeline. Someone is drifting away. Throw out the lifeline. Throw out. See, God wants us to throw out the lifeline. And, and I just loved it. When I saw it, it's like the rescue. Because if you're drowning, you need something. You need a rescue. And this is a way to rescue, to say, grab a hope. And God has given us tools and weapons to be able to throw out the lifeline, to be able to search and rescue, to go about. He said, freely you receive, now freely you give. So if you were that one lost sheep and now you are safe back in the fold, that means that you freely received. It's time to freely give. It's time to rescue. And the only way you can rescue is if you search. So... Search and rescue. Luke 15 says that even as the disciples and they were listening to him in the Pharisees and, and they were eating and Jesus was sitting eating with sinners. They're like, how can he do this? He's eating with sinners and, and, and publicans and, and this is awful. And he began to speak. He said, what if a man having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? That's Luke 15 verse 4. Verse 5, and when he had found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and his neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than ninety-nine just persons who are in the foe. Wow. He's after that one you know, so I remember one time my brother saying that there was a person that came into their church. had never been there before, and, and the whole order of the service changed. They were going in one direction, and all of a sudden it was like, whoop, everything changed. And the people said, wow. And then that person got up and walked out. Everything changed back. And they were like, we had an angel come into our church. Did y'all realize that that was an angel that came? Did you notice how the whole service changed and everything changed? And when the angel left out, it just changed back. And my brother said, no, that was a lost sinner. And God was changing everything to go for that one. And he changed the whole order of the service because he's after that one. See, sometimes we get things misinterpreted. But God doesn't misinterpret. He said, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all, all come to repentance. Amen. If a person's in quicksand, are you just going to go by and say, well, just don't move too much? Because the more you move, the more you're going to go under. Usually we would try to do something to help that person in quicksand, right? 
I mean, if you have any kind of a heart, I would hope you would. Amen. And that's what we're supposed to be doing with even a lost sinner. We're not supposed to bypass them and say, well, you know, you just shouldn't do these things. That's why it's so evil. You just don't know how to behave. No. Let me get a rope. Let me find something. Let me help you get you out of this. Because if I don't get you out of here, pretty soon you're going to be taken over by this quicksand. And nobody's going to be able to find you. You'll be gone. It's too late then. That's what we're supposed to do. Is we're, If we search out and we find someone in quicksand, we are to throw the rope and we're to help to rescue them. Many people say, well, not everybody's ready, and we just don't really want to say too much and get somebody upset. You know, that's been a trick of the devil. He's tried to tell people, now you just run people off trying to witness to them. You just upset people, and you try to invite them to church all the time, and you've made them mad. Well, I'm sorry if I make them mad. I'd rather make them mad and rescue them from hell than I would to say, I don't want to offend you. You know, we don't call a committee together and talk to a committee if a three-year-old's out in the middle of the street and try to decide if we're going to offend the parents by hollering at that child, get out of the street, get out of the street, and running to try to rescue that child. We don't say, well, now, you know, I know it's going to get hit, but I better go ask the mom if it's okay. Because I could offend that mom, I could offend that child, and then that child will grow up and be warped the rest of its life because I screamed at it to get out of the street. Do you understand the insanity of what the devil's trying to do to keep you from doing what God wants you to do? He wants you to search and rescue. He wants you to go find the lost. And I'll never forget, it was on Mother's Day, and I've probably told some of the testimony of my story before. And if you've heard it, well, then thank you, but some more need to hear it. And I'll never forget my aunt because she said, well, you know, your mom would just be so excited if you would go to church on Mother's Day. I was running from God. I was living my own willful way. Me and him were heathenites practicing heathenism together, just not serving God. And I'd keep saying one day, one day, one day. But the more I kept rejecting and the more I kept turning away from not coming to God, the more ropes it went on me, the more chains it went on me, the harder it was for me to get back. See, raised in church, I thought one day I'd just come back, you know, when I get ready. That's not how it works. Even the Bible said, no man cometh, least the Spirit draw. We don't get to pick the day. We don't get to pick, well, now's the time. I think I'm ready. I'm tired of doing all the soul and all the wild oaks. I'm tired of going out here and doing the things my way. So I'm ready now, God. And it's like, uh, I'm ready now, God. Uh, hello? I'm ready. You're going to take me back. And everybody says, oh, yeah, he'll just take you back. Just say this prayer. But you know that even when you've said it and even when you've prayed it and even when you've heard sermons in your life, oh, yes, that sounds like me. That's what I want. But when you get up, you still feel the change. You still feel the ropes and you drag them out the door with you going, God, I'm still bound until that day. And she said, well, if you, your mom would be so proud. I said, I didn't even go when she's alive. Why am I going to go now? But my aunt kept hounding me, so I finally said, okay, I'll go. 
It was a big, huge church, about 1,500, 2,000 people. And they started their, at first I called her the next morning and said, no, I'm not. I'm tired. I'm sleepy. I thought I would go. I don't usually lie. I usually say what I'm going to do. But I guess I lied to you because I'm not going to come. I don't feel like it. I don't even have a dress. I don't even want, they don't wear dresses to church no more. I said, they don't? See, I was raised in the, no, I don't have one on either right now either. I got delivered. Amen. I said, I don't have a dress, and I, I can't come. And she said, I don't wear them. They don't? I was real surprised because, man, I mean, it was like you thought back then you was going to go to hell if you didn't have a dress on. And the hose and everything and the high heels. And sometimes it's like, hello. Miserable sometimes. Anyway, so I hung up, tried to go back to sleep, and I couldn't. Tried and tried. And finally I called her back. I said, well, fine. I think I'm coming. Ended up at church, and, of course, the program. They had a great little program to honor all the mothers. And I thought, oh, phew, good, I'm going to escape. This is good. You see, when Randy was talking about how the Lord will sometimes change your message, <laughs> well, that pastor, I guess, got his message changed that day because God was after me. When he got up to preach, he began to preach about the lost sheep. He said, you know, I used to tend sheep. I took 4-H club and did all those things. And I know what it is to look after sheep. And I tend sheep. And so I noticed that sheep have a tendency when they're eating, they get their heads down from eating. As they're eating, they get further and further away. If you, the shepherd, and, and, and all is not watching, pretty soon that one sheep that did not attend to get away gets away because it's ended up from this pasture to this pasture to this pasture until pretty soon that little sheep gets its head back up and said, how did I get out here? I never intended to leave church. I never intended to get away from God. I always said I was going to do all of these things for God. And I was so strong for God, even as a child growing up. And, and then all of a sudden, I found myself with my head down. And I'm eating grass. And I'm in a, another field. And I'm in another field. And now I can't find the other sheep. And I can't find myself. And I don't know where everybody is. And I don't know where to go now circumstances and situations and people to get around and things happen in your life and you find your head down. And he said, the sheep never intend on purpose to get lost. It wanders off. The only one that purposely did was the prodigal son. The prodigal son took a choice. The prodigal son said, I want my goods and I'm going to go. The father didn't leave the prodigal son. The prodigal son left the father. The lost coin, it had no choice. The coin doesn't say, I think I'll get lost today. It was a coin. I thought it was very interesting that it said sheep lost from wandering off. Coin lost at no fault of, fault of its own. And a prodigal left out of selfishness. Yet God's great love reaches out and finds sinners no matter why they get lost. He still finds them. doesn't matter if it's an accident. It doesn't matter that you had your head down. It doesn't matter that you grabbed your goods and said, I'm out of here and I'm going to go do what I want to and spend all of my money until I'm in a pig pen. And then pretty soon I find out I come to my right mind. That's what the Bible said. After eating all the junk and, and realizing I've got chains and ropes and I can't get back, all of a sudden the prodigal said, wait a minute. I think I got my mind back. 
I know what I miss. I miss you, God. I miss those fun times we had together. I miss those crying and prayers. I miss those church songs. I miss you. And he says, I miss you more. You're like, what? I thought maybe he was upset at me and mad at me because I got my head down and wandered off. I thought maybe he was mad at me because I took my goods and I walked away and, 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 and didn't do when I knew better. When I was raised in church, when I knew better not to do these things, but I did it anyway. And now I, I'm trying to find my way back, but I don't even know that I can. But if you'll just, if you'll just let me be a servant, if you'll just let me serve in your house. And he said, oh, no. Uh-uh. I got a pair of shoes. I got a robe. I got a ring. I got fatted calf for you. I'm going to sit you at the king's table with the rest. I'll never forget when he was kind of doing that with me. I, I was like, uh, I don't think so. I, I, I'm not as good as these pastors and these leaders. And, and God said, you can have the same turkey leg they get. What? You can have the same mashed potatoes they're eating on this table. You can have the same salad and dessert. All the things that they're eating on this table. Quit pushing. the. I mean, every time I push the chair back spiritually, he would push me back into that table and said, you're welcome to eat everything on the table. You were lost and now you're found. You see, this preacher was preaching about the lost sheep and all of a sudden I'm like, I think they're talking to me. Began to talk about the lost, the prodigal who lost its mind, but then the mind came back. And even began to talk, and each time I thought, okay, hurry up, just let me get out of here. Just let me get out of here. I, I'm not, I don't think I'm ready. Every time I come and give my heart to the Lord, I fail you anyway, Lord. Why would you even want me? Every time I try, I don't make it. Maybe sometimes a month, maybe two weeks, maybe at the most one time. I remember three months, I made it. Oh, I'm, ba I'm back out in the world. I said, I don't stick. I can't stick, God. And why would you want me back? Because I'm not going to pretend something. If I'm in, I'm in. And if I'm out, I'm out. I wasn't no in-betweener. Still not. My husband said, I'm all or none. That's the way God wants it. Amen. I'm in, I'm in. I'm out, I'm out. But the devil will make you think that anytime you do something wrong, you're out immediately. And that was the problem because of the way that being raised in church, that if just one thing you did wrong, well, I'm already messed up. Might as well just go ahead and do it all now. Which is a wrong concept, too. I did not realize all of these things. And as he began to talk about it, and I'm still trying to fight and struggle against it, and then he said something that really got to me. He said, now everybody may have heard that song, there's room at the cross for you. There's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. Yes, there's room. At the cross for you. And as they, he was talking about how Ira Stanfield wrote that song. And when he, they sang that song, how hundreds and thousands poured to the altars and cried out to God and gave their heart to God. But there was a talent agent sitting in the service one day. And he heard and he saw the magnitude of how the people were drawn to the altars and how the people throughout the service wept as that song was being sung and how the presence of God, but the talent agent did not realize it was God, did not realize it was the anointing of God. 
He said, I've got to have that woman sign contracts with her. I'm going to make her rich and famous. I've never seen anybody that can work a crowd and do what she does. And he began to convince her that he was going to take her and make her famous and wealthy. She told her husband, and he said, please don't go. She said, no, I, I've always wanted, I've always wanted name and lights. I always tell people, if you want your name and lights, be an exit sign. Amen. That's what I used to think, too. Well, when I grow up, I'm going to be a movie star. And then the next minute, everybody sit down, I'm going to preach to you. I warred with those two things. And now here was this time that she thought, I'm going out and I'm going to be famous. This man sees my talent and he's going to make me a star. The only thing she ended up in was in bars singing. And one night on her way home, drunk DWI hit a tree and died. When he said that, I said, that's going to be my story if I don't get right with God. They're going to say that's Jack Coe's daughter and she knew better. She was raised in church and she knew better than that. But instead, she kept persisting in her own willful way. Instead, she kept saying, one day I will come back, Lord. And I shook in my seat and I shook in the pew and I cried and I finally turned around. And even though they were having the altar call, I wouldn't go down. And my aunt said, and I said, don't bother me right now. And finally, I turned around and knelt at the bench and I said, God. You know I'm going to fail you. But I will tell you one thing. If you'll take me back and try to give me one more chance, at least from this day forward, I will try as hard as I can. I won't promise you like I did all the other times. I'll never do this again. I'll never go there again. I'll never say these things again. I'll never drink, cuss, chew, and go with the boys that do while I was married because I couldn't anyway. I'll never do these things again. Instead, I just said, I'll try. If you'll just say, take me back, break these chains, break these ropes and help me, I will do the best I can for you. You know what? I'm still doing the best I can every day for him. He's, man, he's been awesome. He's even trusted me enough to preach and pray for people, cast out devils, cleanse the leopards, raise the dead. I'm telling you, I love my job. I love that he took me back, gave me one more chance. And he's saying, I want to put you at the table. I want the people to find my lost sheep. I want the church to search until they find. I want the rescue team to go rescue my sheep. Jesus himself could say, I don't need any of y'all do it. But he chooses us. He chooses each and every one of us to search and to rescue those that are lost. For the Son of Man in Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Every 55 seconds, souls go into eternity. 55 souls, I'm sorry, every second, 55 souls. Every one minute. 3,300 souls. And every five minutes, 16,500 go into eternity. Howard Pittman, who had passed away, and he was on his way up with the angel, and he was in the light with these people. He was so excited heading to heaven. He couldn't wait because he had things to talk to God about. He was thinking about the things he wanted to tell the Lord because he finally realized he was making heaven his home, and he was excited. 
And as he got up there and it became his time, and he noticed these people going on, that's like he was on the sidelines, and there they were. When he got there, he's like started talking to the Lord, and the Lord said, hold on, Mr. Pittman, you're not coming in. He said, what are you talking about? I, I, I've been a good Christian. I've done these things. And, and, and I, I, you, you know me. I've done the right things. I don't understand why I'm not coming in. He said, while you were on your way up here, 2,000 went into eternity. 50 was coming with you up here. 1,950 on their way to hell. And you want to come tell me what you've done? He said, you're not coming in. And the angel began to take him, and he's going back down. He said, wait, 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 wait. Take me back. I want to talk to God. I need to talk to God. Take me back. And so the angel takes him back, and he bows down humbly before the Lord, weeping and crying. He said, give me one more chance. If you'll just give me one more chance, I want to go back, and I want to win a million souls. And God said, take him back to earth. And Howard Pittman became the biggest soul winner. He got on the search and rescue team, and he never let a moment go by without searching and rescuing people to tell them from the pits of hell where it was that they didn't want to go. And they said that more than a million people got saved before Howard Pittman died again. God is looking for his church to be the church he's called it to be. He's looking for those who will rescue and who search. Matthew 25, 46 says, These shall go into eternal, everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. General William Booth said, If I could send my workers to hell for 24 hours and bring them back, then they would win the world for Christ. I don't think I'd want to go to hell to have to do it when God's already made a way for us to be able to do it now, church. To rescue and to search for those 285 million people will never be invited to a church family. Let that soak in. 285 million people will never be invited to a church family. Proverbs 11.30 says, And he that winneth souls is wise. James 5.20 says, Let him know that he which come." Verdeth the sinner from the error of his ways shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. This is why we must search and rescue, whether on land or on water. We are here to help them get there. See, search and rescue is very big. What happened in 9-11? While people were running out of the buildings, the search and rescue team was running into the buildings. While people were running for their lives because they did not want to die and they could see the buildings were falling in 9-11, the police and the fire department, which is known as the search and rescue, was going into the building risking their life because they said, we're here to search and rescue anyone who can be found alive and who can be rescued. That's what God wants us to do as a church. To be willing to go into places and situations that may seem like I can't do that. I'm too scared. I'm too nervous. I'm afraid to talk to people. I don't want to, I don't think I can witness. I don't know what to do to help someone. Instead of running away from the building, he said, Who will run in? When Katrina happened, 
They had the search and rescue teams. They came by helicopters. They came in diving equipment. They came in boats. They came in, in, in rafts blown up. They came in all kinds of ways trying to search and rescue to find anyone who's on top of the roof, who is swimming in the water trying to get life. They were grabbing the lifelines and throwing them out to them. Come on, get in the boat and we'll take you to a safe place. God is asking the church, are we ready to be that search and rescue team? You see, I I fought with him today because I wanted to preach on, can we take the mountain? This will encourage us all. We can get excited taking mountains, God. And he said, you take mountains when you win souls. You become the church I called the church to be when you win souls. You see, there's an army, there's a navy, and there's all kinds of soldiers. But when you get into those types of the army, the navy, the, uh, they have a higher up that's more of a search and rescue called special forces. Our green berets, navy seals. These are people that will risk everything and anything to help someone else. They will do what they can to go beyond the call of duty and go after what they need to go after. They search and they rescue and they do the things. And God is saying, I want a church that will do that. I want green berets. I want Navy SEALs. I want special forces. I want those who will take that time because I've got that one that there in the night he heard a faint cry from the lost sheep already to die. Then in his arms to shield from the cold, he brought the lost sheep back to the fold. You see, that's what he wants. Because he hears the cry. There's many of them lays on their bed at night. Because that's when it gets quiet and the party's over. There's many nights when I laid on my bed when the parties were over and everybody gone home. And now it was just me and God. And I would cry myself to sleep. I'll try to be better tomorrow, God. I don't know why I did this. I don't know how I got where I am. But I want you back one day. I don't know how, when. I don't want to lie to you. And here I am now, preaching the gospel. Because somebody took the time to search and rescue. You would, not, you would be surprised how many is out there that are revival carriers and fire carriers that God is trying to call in for the harvest of this great revival that's coming that he's wanting to use and he's needing you to throw out the lifeline. He's needing you to say, I'll sign up for special forces. I'll sign up to search and rescue. I'll sign up to be what you've called me in that work of God. I'll do those things. I'll dive. I'll swim. I'll do whatever it takes I'll get a boat if I'm not good at diving and swimming then I'll get a boat with a big old motor on it but whatever it takes even in Harvey when Harvey happened in Houston Texas you know they're starting all this prejudice stuff that blacks and whites and Spanish and Asians and they don't like each other and everybody's fighting each other and it and we got cancel culture and we got everything going on but I'm here to tell you that when Harvey happened in Houston It was black people helping white people and Spanish people helping black and white and Asians. They were bringing boats out and they didn't say, I'm not getting in your boat. I'm not going with you. 
They're like, thank you. People were hugging each other, rescuing each other. They put their differences aside. They put the issues and government and problems aside because it was search and rescue time and people needed help. And we have the heart to do what God's called us to do, to search and to rescue. Amen. This isn't a time to be down and out. This isn't a time to run and hide and be afraid. It's like Isaiah 60 and 1. It's a time to arise, shine, for the light has come. I said it's time, church, to arise. This is an exciting time where the devil thinks he's having a field day and that he's going to win. The church is getting up and shining. <laughs> and we are going to rise and shine for the light of God has come. Rescue is on the way and the glory of the Lord has risen upon me. You know, when Moses was shining so bright, they all told him, put a veil on. Put a veil on. You're just way too bright and you're shining. I'm going to tell you what, I'm arising and shining. They tell me to put a veil on. I'll say, you can have some sunglasses. I'm going to shine. I'm going to shine for Jesus. God's wanting the church to arise and shine in this day and hour. I want you to say, this is my time. This is my season. I was born for such a time as this. Say it again. I was born for such a time as this. It's time to get your heads up, church. This is not a time to be down and out. This is not a time to be disgusted and sad and mad. This is a time to get your head up and say, there's people out there crying and they need help. And I'm going to rise and shine 911 to the rescue. The greatest revival's coming when the church gets out and becomes the search and rescue team. The greatest revival of harvest of souls. When he said that earlier, we're going to have such a harvest, I thought, yeah, you better get ready. God wants the souls. For behold, in verse 2 of 60, it says, listen to this. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness cover the people. I always thought of darkness and gross darkness, meaning cover the earth. But when I read that, it said At gross darkness, the people. Boy, has people ever seemed darker than they've ever been? I'm telling you. And I thought that meant gross darkness out there. But instead, he's saying, people are getting darker. And you're getting lighter. <laughs> you're getting brighter. And you can go help shine the light to help bring them to the rescue. Amen. It's time to search and rescue. We cannot let these people be buried in their sins and junk and trash. It's time, as it did, to dive in the water, helicopter searching, rescuing people off of roofs, whatever it takes to be that church. Acts 8 and 26, and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south. Go to the desert place. Go to the hard ground. Go where they are, but get up and go out. He's in the middle of revival. Miracles are happening. And God is saying, I need you to go to the desert. I'm sure he's out there on his cell phone. Hello, God, I need to talk to you. There's sand in front of me. There's sand behind me. There's sand to the left and to the right, God. 
I, I was in the middle of revival. Souls being saved, sick bodies being healed, blind eyes being opened, the fire of God, the glory of God. And you brought me out here for what? Search and rescue, Philip. What? You're in the right place. Are you sure? Yes, because here comes an Ethiopian. And when he got in that chariot, that man went back to Ethiopia after he won him to the Lord and baptized him and began to win the nation of Ethiopia. Because somebody went to search and rescue for that one. Billy Graham was that one at that revival. When the pastor said, preacher said, I'm an evangelist and you told me, God, there would be thousands and thousands and thousands of souls being saved. And I don't see nothing and all I've got is one. Never knew that one Billy Graham. He was a part of the thousands and thousands and thousands of souls being saved. They went down to the uh, Cane Ridge Revival. And at the Cane Ridge Revival, they were talking about this is the bed where such and such slept. And this is the place where he, it's either that one or the, uh, the uh, I got to get my revival. But it's one of the main big revivals. And he said, this is where the man knelt beside his bed crying out for revival day after day and night after night many times. They loaded these teenage kids back on the bus. And as they're on their way back on the bus getting ready to go, the, the teacher is counting. Is that the right place? Can, yeah. But they're counting, and there's one missing. And they went back in looking. He's searching all over the place, and he finally went into that bedroom. And kneeling down where that man he said knelt and prayed for revival was Billy Graham crying, God, do it in me. Do it again. Send that kind of revival again and do it in me. In the gram. You see, God just wants to know, would you be that one? Would you be that one to go search and rescue? Would you be the one to take the time and go? I want to close with this with Steve Hill. I, I loved it. Pastor uh, showed me this film when I was here before. I've shared it before, but it's so touching. The, the story of Steve Hill was dying of cancer, and it was so bad. And, and he was like, Lord, I, I just... I just wish I could stay a little longer because one thing about Steve Hill, he was about souls. You want to talk about somebody who was a search and rescue man? He was a search and rescuer. He would even tell them at the Brownsville Revival, uh, Pastor, Pastor, could we get those people, those preachers to move? He said, why do you want them to move? He said, because those are sinners coming in and they need that seat because God wants to save them tonight. Told the bigwigs to get out of their seats so these sinners could sit down. Because he was concerned to search and rescue that one. Amen. And so he was crying out to God because he was so much into souls. And it was, they said it, he was four-stage cancer. He was taking his last breath. He was not doing good. The family had already gathered around to tell their goodbyes to Steve Hill. As he laid there in the bed, he just began to say, Lord, I, I wish I could do more. I wish I could win more souls. I wish I could stay a little longer. Next thing you know, he realizes he wakes up and he's still there and he goes into his room which he didn't have the strength before to get out of bed but he got out of bed and he walked in and sat down on his couch and when he did he didn't have the tv on but it was like this big screen panoramic came on live and as he's looking at it he's seeing this ski lodge and he's seeing all these things being blown up and, and the avalanches and and he's like what is this? And he could tell you how the ski lodge looked, but he didn't know exactly where it was. He just knew it was in Colorado, and he knew what the building looked like. And, and he 
he saw where they had these cannon things and they were blowing up certain things to get the avalanche to blow up before people got there and got covered up in the avalanches. He was trying to protect and save people by doing this ahead of time. And finally, he called around to this place and that place. Do, are you this lodge? Do you have this characteristic? Is this here? Da, 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 da. And they no, no. But he finally got a hold of the one and they said, yes, that's us. He said, do you have a man that goes out and he blows up and he uses a certain kind of cannon? He, yes, that's us. He said, I'm on my way. I'm flying in. Now, he was dying of cancer and now God's giving him strength because he said, God, if you'll just raise me back up, I, I want to win a million souls for you. And he went out there and he began to meet with that guy. And he said, what do you do? Why do you, he said, trying to save lives. I even stand there at the lodge because they want to have business and they want them to come. And I beg the people, don't go out today. Don't go out there. It's dangerous. Please wait a couple more days. Not from going out today. Ha, ha, ha. They said they'd laugh at me. He said, what's that in your hand? He had this 10-foot pole in his hand. He said, when they don't listen later, when the avalanches happen or the snow covers, I have to take this pole, and I'm going out, and I'm going down through that snow, trying to find that one. Is this one alive? He said, I find some dead bodies, but I keep searching. I keep trying to find that one to rescue. If I'm going to find one alive, and I keep putting it down until finally I find One's alive. Here's one. Dig it up. Come on. We got He said, this helps me find those bodies and the ones that need to be rescued that are alive. Steve Hill said, I got to have one of those. And everywhere he went and preached, he held that pole. And he said, I'm here to search for that one. I'm here to help God find that one that is lost. And I'm here to make sure before this meeting's over that you know that God is after you. And I've got my pole digging down through there. Where are you? Where are you? He said, where are you? And they would come and they would give their heart to God. Church, God is asking you, will you be the search and rescue team? Will you sign up to the special forces? Stand with me, please. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart. And love that soul through me. And may I ever do my part to win lost souls for thee. Lord, lay lost souls. I don't want just one God. I want to go after as many as I can for you. Because I know what it is to be lost. I know what it is to accidentally get my head down and find myself wandered off and didn't intend to. I find preachers' kids and kids with an anointing that have got their head down like I did. And they've gone from pasture to pasture to field to field. And now they're standing out there shivering saying, I never intended to be here. I had dreams and visions of doing things for God. I had plans. I told God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. And wandered off and didn't mean to. And so God, I'm always saying, 
I know what it is to have the ropes and chains. I know what it is to drag them in and drag it out. God, I'm saying it's time. It's time for us, the church, to begin to have the heart and passion that you have, that you're not willing any should perish, but all come to repentance. So I say, sign me up. <laughs> sign me up. I want to be helicopter diving, whatever I need to do, whatever my mission, whatever the call, I'm ready to go and do my part that you've asked. Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If there's anyone here tonight and you say, that, that's me, you, you've described your story, that's me. I'm that lost sheep, I'm that prodigal. It wasn't intending for any of that to be. But tonight I believe that the Lord is speaking to my heart. I, I want to try. I, I don't think I'll. I, I feel like you did. I'll fail him. I feel like I won't make it. And, and I try. I really do. I really want to. But then I say, well, what if I don't make it? I, I'm not going to just pretend for a while, God. If that's you tonight, I want you to raise your hand. I see that hand. Is there anyone else? Amen. Amen. He's come to search and rescue me tonight, and I want to be rescued. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, there's some of you, while I'm got the one that you say, I have family members, and I have those that are like that. And tonight I want you to help pray for them. And you say, please, I need help with search and rescue for them. Would you pray with and for me for them? Raise your hand if that's, yes, I see those hands. I see those hands. Thank you, Lord. Can y'all put some music on, please? The Bible says we're drawn away by our own lust. But the Bible also says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Because friendship with the world is an enemy with God. And God wants him in. Hallelujah. Thank you, honey, if you'll get that. I don't want to embarrass you. But I believe this your heart like mine is saying. If I can do it again. I want to try. And I'd like for you to come on up and make that step. I tried to hide and it didn't do me any good. You are loved. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.